0: What is going on, NYY News TV fam? This is the Twin Bill podcast. I am your host, Alex gajewicz Prodic with my co-host, my brother, Luka gajewicz Prodic as well. Today, we will be talking precisely about some of the things that happened over the last few days with the MLB and the MLBPA, their negotiations. Obviously, as we know as baseball fans, it really didn't go anywhere and we're also going to construct our own 2022 MLB Hall of Fame ballot. Luca obviously has an article pulled up, but I'll give Luca the floor as first thoughts and everything else. And then he could introduce subject by subject. Uh, I'm doing well, Alex. I'm very interested to go into these talks about the MLB lockout, see where the players and owners stand. All right. So obviously... We know as baseball fans, without even just looking into the articles specifically, that there has been no gradual movement between the two sides, and it sucks because we all remember 2020, only a 60-game season could have been something else if the players and the MLB agreed. But with that being said, I'm going to hand it right to Luca. There are a couple of core issues that were talked about in this meeting, and the only one that came I think to somewhat of an agreement on is the universal DH, but that is pretty much only a slice of the pie that each side wants to propose to each other. So with that being said, Luca, I will let you go through your subject subject by subject specifically, and then we'll talk about it subject by subject. I know I'm saying that a lot, but, um, I'll let you I'll let you go and do your thing. Yeah. Well, so far, Alex, you are right. The only thing that the MLB and MLBPA likely agree on is the universal designated hitter. Now, the universal designated hitter was used in the short 2020 60 game season for both American League and National League, obviously. I think it worked out pretty well. I would be fully in support of it. What are your thoughts? I would be fully in support of it as well. And the first, when I was really deliberating on the subject, I was thinking to myself, well, we're not going to see pitchers hit. So it takes the fun out of that. But with that being said, the pitcher, unless you're in the National League and the National League, it can vary, is almost an automatic out. So with that being said, I'm fully. It's not even Alex. It's not. Let me just interrupt there. It's not even to the point of that. There are pitchers who get hurt while running the bases. Right, you saw Jimmy no. Wong is one of them. Masahiro Tanaka, I think, pulled the hammy while running the bases against the Mets. It's it's It poses a risk factor for pitchers, definitely, because they're not in the same shape as outfielders and whatever. What's no, the smile I, absolutely, about? I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm smiling about, but I agree with you there. Obviously, injury concerns with pitchers not being in the same shape, not taking the same amount of batting practice. And with that being said, it gives more jobs to a lot of different baseball players because, Hey, Gary Sanchez may not fit with the Yankees. Luke Voigt may not fit with the Yankees, but if they can play designated hitter in the national league and maybe some national league teams like the brewers and all these other teams could use power, not specifically fielding because obviously they wouldn't be fielding. And the reason you have a DH is because that person either sucks on the field or gets hurt on the field. So Gary Sanchez sucks on the field. Luke Voigt gets hurt on the field. He kind of sucks at first base a little bit, too. But we're being blunt, but we're being truthful. With that being said, the universal DH sounds like a very good idea, and it's just sad that we're not going to see it fall through until this, in my opinion, as everybody seems like they have a similar take on it, it's going to start affecting games, and it's going to ruin in some extent. I'm actually interested to see. What the minor leagues do, because if there's no spring training, if spring training is completely just nothing this year, are they going to have their own minor league camps like they would do, you know, how many years in the past and stuff like that? So that's what I'm really interested in. I actually just forgot where they train and all that stuff for spring training. Me personally, I'm not saying this is like a casual baseball fan or anything, but I just really don't pay attention to that type of stuff. But it's going to be interesting with the minor leaguers and just the minor league teams in general. You know, what's going to happen if uh, there's no spring training this year? And if there's no baseball this year, I recommend to you guys that you purchase a subscription of MILB.TV and just watch go your from favorite there. minor league teams. Watch your, t- watch your favorite baseball teams, major minor league affiliates. Right. And don't worry, we're not advertising for the MLB. We're just giving you guys a a uh, helpful suggestion. suggestion. Yes. So Luca, if you want to move on another order of business that was actually discussed now, both sides agree on this, but they don't agree on the specifics of this. This is used in the NBA and the NHL, I believe a draft lottery. So where both sides stand on the draft lottery, obviously I just mentioned they both agree, but the MLB wants the draft lottery solely for the first three picks, the top three, And MLBPA wants it for about eight teams. So my personal feeling is it doesn't make sense for this type of league, especially with how long it takes minor leaguers to get up to the major leagues. You don't know what you're shooting for. You could look at a great – you could draft an excellent prospect out of some college that nobody knows or something like that. I don't know, draft – I don't know, Mark Light or whoever. But when they get up to the big leagues, they could be a bust. So you don't know – what, what you're looking at when you draft somebody and what you're looking at when they come up to the big leagues in like three, four, five years is completely different. So I don't think a draft lottery is necessary. And it doesn't make sense for any, for any draft lottery just to be three picks or eight picks. It should be like 11 like the NBA is. But personally, I'm not a fan of the draft lottery. It just does not make sense for what goes on in Major League Baseball. No, I absolutely agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. And I was actually just about to ask, How many is the NBA draft lottery? But you obviously said it's 11. And there are a couple of things, obviously, to point out. A draft in any league is a crapshoot. We can all agree. It's taken more seriously in the NHL, the NBA, and the NFL because some of those guys are almost immediate impacts. They're on the roster and stuff like that, where the MLB, in comparison... They have to wait a couple of years because of development. Nobody comes up in two years. That's unheard of. That's very rare. And I don't remember any case of that being the case for any player. But with that being said, the NBA, at least the way I've been watching it, the NFL, and I'm not sure about the NHL because I really am not a hockey fan, but the MLB has a problem with tanking and just teams being solely bad at the bottom of the league. What was that Buster Olney report that you had a couple of weeks ago that he said only a few teams are actually going to be competing this season? It was only like 15 or 17 teams that apparently are actually going to compete. Like Scott Boris, I think, mentioned something like that. But if only 17 teams are really competing, that's really bad for the league. Yeah. I mean, we have th- obviously we have 30 baseball teams, but I understand it's a little over half of the league, but that's just still terrible. Right. And... This could have been prevented with a salary cap because that way Kansas City would not be in the position it is now. Detroit, you can name all the teams, and they solely, because they don't have a lot of money, small market teams, they have to solely go in to their farm system and develop guys. Obviously, with all those teams that we just mentioned, plus a couple other ones, maybe the Pirates as well, They haven't done well at that, and that's where they're stuck in limbo, which is really bad for the sport because, as you mentioned, 17 of the 30 teams are the only ones competing. Then you got the lower half of the league. And honestly, uh, I was in a stream a few weeks ago when a couple of content creator friends of mine as Giant fans were streaming college football games, and I was talking to somebody who actually used to watch baseball, he used to be a Baltimore Orioles fan because he lives in the west side of New York, like Buffalo and all that other stuff. And I think the Baltimore Orioles had a minor league team over there. His family was all Yankees fans, but he wanted to stand out, so he was a Baltimore Orioles fan. So he watched the strike of, I believe, 1981 or the disagreement there. Yeah, there was a strike in 81. There's also a strike in 94, 95. 94, 95 is when he said, I'm done with baseball. And his partner on the stream actually said, and he doesn't watch baseball that much. He'll probably tell you himself said, yeah, baseball is probably the most unorganized sport. And I could very much agree with that. And a lot of people think. On Twitter and just everywhere, all baseball is growing. Baseball is not growing because Rob Manfred and all these other things that are coming into it. It is not growing. Its growth is really listen. It's being not stunted. to me. It's not growing because of the stupid rules they're in placing When they're talking about a runner on second base in the tenth inning and beyond, um, you also talk about you know pitch clocks and all that different stuff. But you're also taking into effect. You know why do consumers want to spend money? On a product, when like dating, this dates back to me like twenty twenty. Because remember, we had to wait several months. Baseball, obviously, you know, everybody had to develop the health protocols with COVID and whatnot. But it took so long for these team, for these players, association, and the owners to actually agree on something, or at least try to make a plan. And it makes no sense. Like, why? Why does a consumer want to conform or watch? A product that, you know, rewards selfishness when it comes to the owners and the players. Right. And the two sides obviously never agree. And you could be on one side or the other, depending on the issues. And my problem with Major League Baseball is that they're always trying to cater to the Millennials. And listen, Millennials, there's a lot of Millennial Generation Z fans out there that are baseball fans or whatever. They're sports fans, whatever the case may be. A lot of them in my opinion, don't have the attention span. That's why generally on YouTube overall and on other sites as well, you're not going to watch if you're somebody in Generation Z, whatever subject it may be, if it's about crime, if it's about this, that, and the other thing, if it's about sports, you're going to generally look for the shorter video, even though the other video, maybe it's like an hour, may be more interesting than the 10-minute video, the five-minute video. That's what I'm talking about with attention span. And the problem with the MLB is I don't think that those millennials are ever going to buy into it. I don't think the younger generation's ever going to buy into what baseball is. Stop shortening the game. Stop with the gimmicks. Stop with stop with all this crap. Let's not make it into the WWE here. And obviously we we have friends who are fans of the WWE. But with that being said, WWE is entertainment. MLB is precisely sport yes it can be used for entertainment but it's precisely a sport it's precisely that and i just think yes it's an attraction and with that being said i just think that major league baseball needs to stop putting these rules in these gimmicky rules just to try to get a better audience and a younger audience because it's not going to work and obviously the older generation could take the attention span of three hours but if you take a look at the rules as well that they implemented with the extra innings and stuff like that, it really didn't change anything. No, it didn't. But this isn't really the first sport that implemented rules because of a, millenn- a millennial audience. And you mentioned the t- the uh, attention span. NASCAR a couple of years ago implemented segmented races. Remember, I I, I know we went to uh, the ARCA race. It's not really NASCAR. It's like, I shouldn't say different from NASCAR, but it's like, obviously in the same thing, whatever. It used to be the whole full, whatever, 162 laps in a single thing. They wouldn't segment it into stage one, stage two or stage three, because now so many people have such a low attention span. It's ridiculous. Right. And the stereotype right away. From these younger audiences, and I'm not saying it's just millennials, but there's also Gen Z and all that other crap, is that, oh, well, NASCAR is a redneck sport. All, all it is is just going in circles. With that, once again, like MLB, NASCAR was trying to reach out to a younger audience that's never going to accept what the sport is. So they're going to try to make all these gimmicky rules and crap, but it's not going to work. So if you want to go on to the next subject topic. All right. So the next thing that's been up for debate, when does a player hit free agency? So MLB proposes a pay for play arbitration system. If you haven't seen Alex a couple of weeks ago, MLB is in favor of implementing an arbitration system based on the stat of war. Obviously, we're both in, dis- both in disagreement with that. And free agency for all players at the age of 29 and a half. MLBPA proposes free agency at five years of service time and age 29 and a half, or six years of service time, whichever comes first. Now, obviously, in my opinion, I don't know, 29 and a half seems like that's when a player's in the middle of his prime, but that's like. I don't know. The the player's in the middle of his prime, but it's towards the end of his prime. That's that's almost when they hit the wrong side 30, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I kind of think, to be honest with you, and this is me too, that you're taking a little bit of a football side to it because football, obviously you're drafted and you start at 22 and by 30 you're considered old. But obviously you have to approach this with more of a baseball aspect side to it. So what is the part that Both sides disagree on what is it. The MLBPA wants six, and the MLB wants five. There's what MLB proposes. As I'm reading this, does not specify the years in which uh, how many sir how much service time you get until you become a free agent. They say free agency for all players at 29 and a half years old. Of how of doesn't matter how long you've been playing uh mlbpa i obviously mentioned proposes five years of service time and at age 29 and a half, or six years of service time whichever comes first so what would the disagreement be on i might be stupid i might be dumb but the mlb wants what mlb wants 29 and a half specifically with the pay-for-play the paying arbitration system based on the war stats. So, they're okay. not doing they're not proposing them based on service time. They're proposing based on Then I then on I, would, then I I would particularly try to go with the player's side on this one. My much like I would on any other day, on any other subject most likely because I think the owners are selfish and stuck up, but I would go with the player's side on this one. I know that's a big issue and a big topic in concern with all this with all this crap uh, the work stoppage. So the next thing that comes into play is the effort to pay the younger players. Now the players association has apparently proposed a 23% increase in the minimum salary, which would be $700,000. Now we always talk about how, you know, minor league players are, are horribly paid, horribly treated and all that. But, I agree with the salary increase, but it doesn't seem like the owners are tapped into it. So the owners disagree with the increase. They don't want that. How much is the minimum salary now? What is it, 500000 I would have to look that up and do the math, but it should somewhere be around there. If you want to look it up real quick and look up the net average or whatever, but the owners obviously cheapity, 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 cheapity. It's 539,000. I did the math. It's 700,000 minus 23%. I once again I agree with the players and I understand obviously to some extent and I'm not defending the owners. Oh, well, 2020, you know, we were not making as much money, whatever. That it's been 2 years since that and you've gotten fans back in the stadium. If you had to increase prices on certain things, you had to do that. But with that being said, I don't understand why the owners, you know, they're the most one of the most selfish in all these parts of the MLB besides Rob Manfred and his crew. And Tony Clark is, is not too great of a person either. But just look at how some of these owners gave their minor league teams away. And obviously, Rob Manfred is no saint when it comes to minor leagues because he is a he just hates the minor leagues for whatever he's a complete imbecile. Yeah, exactly. But the owners, like we saw with the Yankees, I think it was a year ago where the Staten Island Yankees sued the Yankees, and now Randy Levine is taking a stake from what I hear, from what you told me, in the Staten Island Ferry Hawks, which used to be the Staten Island Yankees, and the Yankees as an organization when they had the Staten Island Yankees They didn't like their name, the Pizza Rats. Obviously, that's little concern to my point, but they didn't help them out at all because their stadium was falling apart. They were wearing the same ratty uniform since 2012, a lot of other issues. If you guys want to look for a little bit of a background on that, I suggest you go to the Big Blue in the Bronx YouTube channel and find our interview with Robert Pimsner, who used to work... And used to head pinstripe prospects, and he lives on Staten Island, so he knew a lot about the subject matter. But with that being said, the owners take a fair share of being selfish and stuck up in the MLB. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So the next subject, our favorite. This pertains to NFL, too, and NBA as well. Hockey, I don't know about. Expanded playoffs. with ex- Well, not expanded playoffs. Expanded team playoffs. What both sides are proposing, MLBPA wants twelve twelve team postseason, which kind of seems reasonable. You know, you have six that would make six teams on each league. Six teams in the American League, six teams in the National League. That was once the case in the NFL. Six teams in the AFC, six teams in the NFC, since that has changed in twenty twenty when they did the seven team, which is more horribly. I'll state that in a minute. And MLB proposes fourteen team postseason, seven teams in the American League, seven teams in the National League. That's real, that's almost rewarding half the league with the postseason spot. The Mets almost find- got in in 2020. The Yankees got in in 2020 when they really shouldn't have. Did they have the ex- they have the expanded last year? I forget. No, that's they the- did not. Okay, good. Um, The Yankees still got in by a hair, but obviously that's a different subject matter for a different day for a different episode. But as you did state, the NFL kind of proves this past weekend that the seven seed shouldn't even be in there because, yes, the Cardinals did get their ass kicked by the Los Angeles Rams. But then you had two PA teams. Just luckily enough, you had the Pittsburgh Steelers just crap their pants against the Kansas City Chiefs started off well. And then the Kansas City Chiefs beat them down totally. And then you have the Philadelphia Eagles get their ass kicked by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, there are two states of those franchises where the Eagles are in a rebuilding mode and they really did not. They were a benefit of an easy schedule. Right. Also, they were going through a rebuild where the Steelers, they were trying to make a last run with Ben and they were just not good this season. And obviously, we'd like to pick on a couple of people with that one. But with that being said, the seventh seed should not be in there. You're rewarding a lot of teams for being at 500 or below 500 because God only knows maybe six teams or five teams that are over 500. I'm not saying this. Totally is a real-life situation. But let's say, okay, the Mets and the Phillies get into the playoffs, but they're under five hundred. They get eliminated immediately. Maybe not so much two teams, but maybe the Mets or the Phillies. They get eliminated immediately because they are that seventh seed. So the MLB wants the seventh seed, right? Yeah. That's kind of weird, honestly. It's kind of weird that that they want it. I thought originally that they would have wanted a six team playoff per league, but obviously that's not the case. So once again, listen, Alex, it's whatever makes them more money. We all, we don't, they don't, they could give a damn about what teams and how many teams make the playoffs. They just want to make more money. That's all. They don't care about Well, they care, but they don't care about image. Yeah. MLB. It drives that the 17 playoff drives down the product totally. And I can really say this for NBA as well. The play-in series actually last year, dating back to the playoffs, was actually kind of competitive. Well, it was competitive, but you saw a lot of teams go down in series in the quarterfinals, four to one. Um, I remember, I think the Grizzlies went down four to one against the Jazz, and the Wizards, who were in the play-in. Lost to the Sixers in the quarterfinals 4-1 to in that series. But overall, it just doesn't make good for a good product. I understand expanded team. I know you want to get more teams in the playoffs. And the opposing argument to this is, oh, you know, it prevents tanking, which I think is a ridiculous argument. You're just benefiting mediocrity more often. And it's just a bad image for the product. You obviously mentioned the blowouts this weekend in the NFL playoffs with the Eagles, the Steelers, whoever. It's not a good product. Do people really want to watch that? No. Sure. They don't. Sure. You talk if you talk to Steelers Nation right now, like the not the homerish side. Not the homerish side. Do they really think their team should have made the playoffs? No. Exactly. So it's great to see your team in the playoffs. I mean, I'm sure I want the Jets next year to be that seventh seed and slot in but it's just a bad product for an overall football fan. Like, What football fan, what baseball fan wants to watch 17 playoffs in their own league or conference? I want to know who made that argument about, oh, it prevents tanking. It does not prevent tanking. The draft lottery would probably prevent tanking just a little bit, but I don't think it would still work because there's so many different circumstances between the NFL, the NHL, and the NBA compared to the MLB, where obviously there's no salary cap and there's a bunch of other issues as well. So if you want to go on to the next. So the next thing, I actually didn't talk about this yesterday when we were talking to Sean and I was talking to you about this. Um, this is the opposite of what Hal Steinbrenner, the cheap ass owner of the Yankees, wants to do. MLB wants to raise the luxury tax threshold to $220 million by 2026. The MLBPA wants to raise the luxury tax threshold to 245 million. So the MLBPA wants it at 245 and 226 for the MLB, correct? It is uh, 220, 220 million by two 2026. Oh, okay. I was mixing up the numbers. So here's where that would probably be a good thing and a bad thing. Would be a bad thing for the small market teams, as we have talked about before in many different circumstances, different talking points, but it would be good essentially for the big market teams because they would have to spend more. The Yankees wouldn't be cheaping out all these off seasons and sticking to some of the guys they have on the roster and then boom, their first round elimination, even though they had the second highest payroll this past season. So I'm really split even on that because I'm not a Yankee fan. That's like, oh, well, you know, who gives a shit about the small market teams, right? I'm pretty much a guy that looks at both sides of the table. So it would be a good thing for teams that don't spend a lot like the Yankees on occasion, obviously. But at the same time as well, what are you doing to prevent tanking for those teams that are in the small markets. You have no salary cap. You are having a salary minimum. There's no draft lottery. A couple other things factor in that as well. So it's really a just lose-lose situation. And some people say, oh, you know, uh, the teams like the Pirates, the Orioles, their owners don't spend money. Because they really don't have money. I honestly listen. If they're being cheap, they're being cheap. But to be honest with you, I don't think they have a lot of money because What's fueling Pittsburgh right now? The Steelers, but they didn't have that much good of a season. The Ravens didn't have a good of a season. Uh, obviously, the Orioles, the Pirates, you already know. I don't know about the Penguins. Me personally, don't know about the Penguins. They don't have a basketball team. They're obviously a big city. But with that being said, you also it's not compared to New York, would you consider, Los consider Angeles, the Tigers? Boston, would you consider Detroit a small market team? I would consider them a small market team. Because Detroit's the Tigers are spending money. You saw them spend money on Javi Baez. You saw them spend money on uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. So they can spend the money. Right. But I think just like the NFL and a salary cap, even though the MLB doesn't have one, I think eventually if you don't spend a lot, that money rolls over and becomes big once in a while where you could spend money, try to get this guy, try to get that guy. We saw... Detroit trade for Tucker Barnard, or they signed him, whatever the case was. They acquired him via trade. Yeah, and then they signed Javi Baez, and then reportedly they were interested in Correa, and he turned down a contract from them. With that being said, I think that money rolls up once in a while. But once again, they have to stick to what's in the minor leagues because they're put in that position. I feel bad for them for that. So, yeah, exactly. So, among other things, the MLBPA is seeking to put more money into the pockets of young players who make up an increasingly larger share of the game's player pool. But the apparently, the MLB is proposing an incentivization for teams promoting their young and best players. How do you feel about that? So, they're giving them incentives. Incentives could be money, could be compensation. What do you say about I would that? go towards money and... Does the MLB disagree with that? I would have to look into it for sure I didn't get a chance to because look it's money in the MLB and am when I say MLB I'm talking about the owners I'm not talking about Manfred specifically yeah. but when it comes to the owners I feel like they wouldn't want to do that because it's money out of their pockets even more but the NFL does incentives a lot of other leagues do incentives and I think it's a, I think it's a fun thing to make more money because Aaron Judge I don't know how much he was getting in 2017, hit how many home runs over 50. And he would have been making a lot more than, I'm just going to throw a duck out there and see if it's right. 590K. He would be making more than that because he is worth more than that in 2017 because he hit 50 plus home runs, all-star game, all that other stuff, home run derby, all that stuff. So he would be making more money. And he wouldn't be like the other minor leaguers. Yeah, it would be Alex. It would be based all on accolades, whether it's as you mentioned. You mentioned home run derby winner. You mentioned All Star, Gold Glove winner, whatever. So it is the MLB who's proposing that's that specific idea where that where the teams um, will get incentives for not manipulating service time for the top prospects. They proposed draft pick bonuses, not so much money incentives so for not manipulating manipulating farm system prospects you would get draft compensation correct not for accolades no <sighs> see i just made a great point about aaron judge and a couple other baseball players that rank in the same part of the System and talking point, but for not manipulating your draft prospects, and who would that most likely hit, Luca? Would that hit the small market teams, the big market teams? Tell me. Um, that's probably gonna, they're probably gonna give the big market teams the uprange. Well, I'm saying, in your viewpoint, I'm not talking about what actually would happen. It would, in my opinion, it would not benefit the small market teams because the small market teams have nothing else to go they have no other path to go because well they don't have a lot of money right so i want to end off this uh segment talking about the state of mlb and give me your prediction as to when this lockout will end and tell me will this affect games and how will mlb and the mlbpa go about this they'll come to an agreement at some point. I don't think this is the end of baseball forever. I honestly don't believe that. And I don't really agree with people that believe that because I think you're being way too negative and just the economy and the pockets and some of these just overall, it would be just bad for the players. It'd be bad for the owners. They would have to find new occupations and all that stuff. That's really bad for the economy. So I don't think baseball is ending. No, I don't think that. I'm not thinking too negatively in that aspect. With that being said, it's going to take a while. Will it be a delayed season? I haven't gotten to that point of deliberation yet. I think there will be little to none spring training. So I think the MLB and the MLBPA are going to agree. I'm going to say mid-March and then use the rest of March for players to ramp up. Because you need that ramp-up period. You need that for whoever's going to be on your roster. And then the minor leagues will start on time. But the MLB may or may not start on time. But with that being said, no spring training. Minor leaguers will not be working with the major leaguers. They'll have their own separate shit. I don't think there's going to be any spring training games. So it's just going to be a training period. It's going to be a ramp-up period. and Then they'll go out and play baseball. Maybe... Shorten the season a little bit, depending on when they start. But once again, that's for us to see, and that remains to be seen. Well, apparently, as it looked up, I think Tom Verducci said this, that February 1st is the deadline day so they can avoid the delay of spring training. So I'm going to give Second my overall lockout. thoughts. Yeah. Somebody's like, "Oh, we're going to go into second lockout." No, you're going to stay in the same lockout. You're not going to go into two lockouts. That wouldn't make any sense. But in the second half, in my personal opinion, um, I do think this can start to affect games if this February first proposal—if they don't agree by February first—but overall, this is just such a bad look for the sport overall. Like, do the players and owners not realize this? They will lose money as this keeps going on. And on and on, because they again the owners have tickets to sell. The uh, um, plus, let's also add in the stadium employees got to be paid. Nobody, nobody talks about the stadium employees s- selling those chicken buckets and selling season tickets. They never talk about that. But overall, not the point. You know, these players and the owners going to be losing money. And what I have a feeling that's going to happen is when this starts to affect games. When we're losing regular season games and we might have to make them up or do whatever, the players are going to demand a full season salary based on 162 games like they did in the lockout. And that's where the the MLB uh, and the MLB are going to go at it again like they did in 2020. And just as you mentioned, the 2020 season. But if you are a fan in – it's such a, as I said, depressing state for the sport. You know, Shohei Otani wants to make this as popular as NFL and NBA – I support his efforts, but I don't think it's going to happen right now with the no. state of, uh, MLB, obviously, as I mentioned, but overall, if you're a fan that's been watching for a long time and you're like, I'm done with this bullshit, both sides are greedy and give zero damns about the fans and the consumer, the product or whatever. I honestly don't blame you for not watching anymore because the diehards, I think might start to, uh, Walk away from the sport as this spans on and on and on. And it's just a sad time for the sport. And it's it's again, sad time for the sport is what can you say? Right. And listen, they will eventually come to agreement in my opinion, but it's not for the greater good because you'll be losing your audience. More and more fans are going to be turned away because of this bowl And, yeah, you know, eventually the players will get their money and the owners, yeah, they're going to get their ticket sales and their merchandise sales and all that other stuff. But once again, that's turning the fans away and the fans that are turned away. My advice to you is go support the minor leagues, go support independent baseball or go to other sports. That's my personal opinion on that subject. And apparently the deadline for not impacting the regular season is March 1st. That makes sense. That makes sense. But So um, are you ready? Now, I don't have the official ballot up, but I have I the do. list of players. Okay, good. So I don't know if you can share a screen or not. Can you share a screen? Well, I can, but I'm going to probably let Pete do that when the podcast episode premieres. Okay. So if you want to go on Google right now, you could probably, you could probably I have just the play. list of players who are uh on the ballot. Okay, if you have the list of players on the ballot, that shouldn't be an issue. I'll let you go first with your Hall of Fame ballot. We are doing a 2022 MLB Hall of Fame ballot will be obviously. So let me list first of all, race. let me list all the players that are on the ballot. Uh you have uh Kurt Schilling, this is his tenth year on the ballot, Barry Bond's tenth year, Roger Clemens tenth and final year. This are all three Finally years on the ballot, Scott Rowan with his fifth year on the ballot, Omar Vizquel, fifth year on the ballot, Billy Wagner, seventh year on the ballot, Todd Helton, fourth year on the ballot, Gary Sheffield, eighth year on the ballot, Andrew Jones, fifth year on the ballot, Jeff Kent, ninth year, Manny Ramirez, sixth year, Andy Pettit, fourth year, Sammy Sosa, tenth and final year, uh, Mark Burley, second year on the ballot, Tory Hunter, second year, Bobby Abreu, third year on the ballot, Tim Hudson, second year. Now, some first-timers, there's plenty of first-timers. Alex Rodriguez, David Ortiz, Mark Teixeira, Jimmy Rollins, Carl Crawford, Jake Peavy, Justin Morneau, Prince Fielder, Joe Nathan, Tim Lincecum, Jonathan Papabon, A.J. Przinski, and Ryan Howard. So I'm going to go down the list. My first Hall of Famer would be Kurt Schilling, a really dominant pitcher in his heyday, made his uh, bones starting off with the Phillies, but he didn't really get too popular until he b- became an Arizona Diamondback. Obviously, he was co World Series MVP in two thousand and one with Randy Johnson. I feel he's a really dominating pitcher. He was great in his prime. Maybe his prime didn't last too long. Some people say, "Oh, he's like Mussina." I don't know. I don't think. I think he's a better pitcher than Mike Mussina ever was. Mussina, when he he was mostly famous with the Yankees. Now with the Orioles, I think he was he was a two time or three time All Star. I'm not sure. But when he made his bones with the Yankees, he really wasn't an all-star. He never had – and he was only a 20-game winner once. Uh, Schilling, obviously, I think has more accolades. Great pitcher in the clutch. Everybody remembers the bloody sock game. Uh, overall, he is a Hall of Famer. He's a, he was a great pitcher in his heyday, despite playing for the Red Sox and the Diamondbacks, obviously giving Yankee fans heartbreak. But overall, next player, Barry Bonds. I mean, what can you say? Um, great power hitter. Um, everybody's everybody's going to point to the steroids, but overall, when I see a player that has done steroids, I look at what they've done before they took the steroids, and Bonds was a great player with the Pittsburgh Pirates in his prime before he took the steroids, so he was just a Hall of Fame player before. He was great batting average, a great outfielder, great power hitter, but again, another power, another great bat, arguably one of the greatest power hitters of all time. Greatest uh, home run leader of all time, even though some people will dispute that based on him taking steroids. Great overall selection. Should be all a Hall of Famer. Next one, Roger Clemens. Uh, great pitcher, especially he made his bones with the Boston Red Sox in the early, in the mid-80s. And then he came to the Yankees, won a few Cy Young Awards. Overall great pitcher, especially in the postseason. Um, love Roger Clemens. Unfortunately, he yes, he did do steroids. And I think he... Also lied to the jury. He was accused of perjury, if I'm not mistaken, Alex. I think so. So overall, great pitcher Roger Clemens was in his heyday. Um, Can I say something? Go ahead. Let me just say this. For all of you out there that are saying Barry Bonds and Gary Sheffield or any of these guys that are really not Hall of Famers, and I'm not saying that Gary Sheffield has a questionable background, but I'm just saying Alex Rodriguez, all these other guys, if you're telling me they have a questionable, ba- questionable background, and they don't belong in the Hall of Fame, let me tell you something. All these geeky writers, trust me, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, Rob Manfred will be in the MLB Hall of Fame. So let's just put that out there. He's very tainted, but the MLB beat writers in 30 years or so, unless some progress happens, whether or not it's geeky and as bullshitty as they are right now, with that being said, Rob Manfred will be a Hall of Famer. So, really, you could just say, oh, you know, Barry Bonds is going to get in the Hall of Fame. You know, well, Rob Manfred is going to get in the Hall of Fame. Might as well be Barry Bonds as well. And I'm not saying just, oh, because Rob Manfred's going to the Hall of Fame, but Barry Bonds was a good player before he did steroids. Um, next player I have is Colorado Rockies former first baseman Todd Helton. Um, many people won't look, probably won't look at him as a great player, but I believe he was a great player in his prime, constantly in the MVP voting, um, all, constant All Star, five time All Star, four time Silver Slugger, three time Gold Glove winner, and had a batting title in his resume. So great defensive first baseman Todd Helton was um, was really one of the only bright spots for the Rockies ever in their history. I mean, when you think of the Rockies right now. You re- you don't think of much. You don't think much of the Colorado Rockies. I mean, the only players that I can really remember that they really developed in their time, I think of guys like Troy Tulewitzki, uh Jorge De La Rosa, Nolan Arenado, of- Trevor Story, Todd Helton, DJ LeMahieu was well, but he was actually a Cub before he was a Rocky. Right. I forgot so, about that. So there- there's not a lot of core players with the Rockies, but Todd Helton is like a g- gem in the rough. So... He actually, funny enough, in 2000, he won the batting title with a 372 batting average. How rare is that? That is incredibly rare. And he also led the league in RBIs that year. Doubles, 59 doubles, 216 hits, 463 on base percentage, slugging percentage, of 698. How many home runs 1. did he get? 42. And tell me why this guy wasn't MVP just based off the numbers. Let also, me see how many was, strikeouts did he have and walks? Helton struck out sixty-one times and only walked one hundred and three. So in two thousand, take 2000, me back to that era of baseball, please, <laughs> please. So, the player who actually won MVP in two thousand, former Yankee Jason Giambi. So didn't he do roids or something like that, too? He was accused of doing steroids as well. Okay. But yeah, Helton fun. overall, just a great hitter, consistently batting 300 during the middle of his prime. Even at the end of his prime, he was hitting 302 in 2011, 325. And he was 13th MVP voting in 2009. But overall, just a great hitter. Great defensive first baseman, in my opinion, even though some say his prime might have lasted short. But he was really good in his prime. So next guy on my list is father of our fellow colleague, Gary Sheffield. Great hitter, nine-time All-Star, five-time Silver Slugger. Let me read this award. Major League Player of the Year at TSN. I don't remember what year it was, but he won a batting title, same as Todd Helton, and won the 97 World Series with the Florida Marlins. Awesome hitter, constant All-Star, constant in the MVP voting. Great power hitter, just overall great. But When you watch his highlights, you think great. You think of one of the most unique batting stances of all time when it comes to Gary Sheffield with the wag of his bat. But overall great hitter Gary Sheffield was. Hopefully he's in the Hall of Fame, but, you know, some people are like, oh, he's tied to steroids. You know, that's going to hold him back. Shut up. Great. Gary Sheffield was a great hitter, should be in the Hall of Fame, absolutely. So I've named about four players, correct? I would say so. So next fellow, should I say villain of Yankee fans, Manny Ramirez. Now, Ramirez started his career with the Indians. Then he was signed with the Boston Red Sox in 2001. Constant all-star, 12-time all-star, World Series MVP, I think in 2004 2007. Got to find out which year. Nine-time Silver Slugger, two-time World Series champion with the Boston Red Sox. Twice, 2004, 2007. 555 home runs all time, 18, 1,831 RBIs, um, 69.3 war. Just a great hitter, great power bat, especially what he meant to the Red Sox during their, I don't know, should I call it a mini dynasty years, 2003, 2004, 2005, during their right, He was a key bat during those times. Great hitter, Hall of Famer. Uh, next one, Sammy Sosa. That uh, Ramirez was my fourth or fifth player, right? Well, you have Helton, Sheffield, Ramirez, Bonds, Clemens, uh, Schilling, Clemens, Clemens, Schilling. So that's seven. I've named seven already. This is my seventh, correct? All right. So Sammy, wait, hold on, hold on. Let's go back in the list. So you have uh, Barry Bonds, Manny Ramirez, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, Kurt Schilling. That's four. Todd Helton, Todd Helton. Did Did you mention Gary Sheffield? Gary Sheffield, that's seven already. All right, because actually, no, you're on your seventh. I, I can't count today. I don't know why.
1: You're on so number seven.
0: Obviously, the minimum is t- the maximum is ten players. Sammy Sosa, you think a excellent power hitter. Obviously, ties to steroids. <laughs> One time MVP, seven time All Star, home run derby champ, six time Silver Slugger. Everybody, and I mean everybody, remembers him for the 1998 battle between him and Mark McGuire for the most home- for Home runs in a single season. He won the MVP in 98 in that season, even though McGuire topped him in the home run race. That single season, 66 home runs, 158 RBIs. He did lead the I league in something. strength. Yeah. Was it McGuire accused of doing steroids? Yes. Okay. And he's in the Hall of Fame, isn't he? No, I don't think so. Really? I would have thought so. I, I'm going to look it I up. Would, I'll, uh, let me check list. right now. No, I'll go. You keep going with your list. I'll I'll so you. McGuire, So Sammy Sosa, constant in MVP voting, wasn't really. He was actually developed. He was actually uh, first year with the Rangers, then the White Sox, and then he made his bones with the Chicago Cubs. Excellent ball player, great ball player, constant power guy. One of the bright spots of the uh, 2000s Cubs, even though they really didn't get that far. So excellent power hitter, one of the greatest of mid two thousand, should I say, in the late 90s. Uh, next guy, number eight for my list. I'm going to go with Alex Rodriguez. Now, he's he's obviously going to be put up for debate in this one. Rodriguez has a ton of accolades and a ton of controversy. 2009 World Series with the Yankees, 14-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glove winner, batting title in the year of... Let's see. Batting title in 1996 with the successful Seattle Mariners when they had Ken Griffey, Jay Buter, Rennie Johnson, all that. He was a three time MVP, once with the Rangers in 2003 and twice with the Yankees, 2005 and 2007. Four times, I believe, as I'm reading this one, two, three, four, actually five, led the league in home runs, 52 in 2001, 57 in 2002, 47 in 2003. 48 in 2005, and 54 in 2007. Constant, great hitter. Everybody knows Alex Rodriguez, you know, time with the Yankees and all that. Great hitter, great defender, could play shortstop and third base. 117.54, hit three, another 3,000 hitter. You know, has 3,000 hits in his career. Overall, great player, despite the steroids. So he, is, he makes my list for number eight. Number nine. So as I'm going down this list, number nine for me is going to be Billy Wagner. Now, some might not know him as like, you know, he's not as good as Trevor Hoffman, not as good as Mariano Rivera. Seven-time All-Star was the aids relief man one year. He played with the Mets. He played with the Astros. He played with the Phillies. Uh, games finished. He actually finished. First twice with games finished in 2003 with the Houston Astros was actually part of a no hitter, I believe, against the Yankees combined no hitter and 70 in 2005 with the Phillies. So so actually was twice in the running for Cy Young, dating back to 1999 with the Astros and 2006 with the Mets. Really great reliever. Uh, he has a total of 422 saves in his career. One of the great closers of the late 90s, mid 2000s. Is he great as Roberto? No. Is he great as Hoffman? No, but he's definitely should be up there as one of the better Hall of Famers. And another guy I'm going to put on my list is Jeff Kent. So I think this is number nine or number 10. Alex, could you help me out with the math? Uh, who was your number eight? That was A-Rod, right? Number eight, I think, was Sosa. Let's run the list back again, shall we? So you got Bonds, you got Clemens, you got Schilling. Hell Schilling, Sheffield, A-Rod, Wagner, Manny, Manny. Sosa. I think, you, I think this is your final one. All right, so I'm going to go with uh, Jeff Kent for this one. I think Andy Pettit is eligible for next year. That's why I'm keeping off tabs for Pettit. So Jeff Kent. Actually, had beef with Barry Bonds. Kent is a five-time All-Star, even though his prime could say you could say lasted short. Was great in his prime, one of the better second basemen and infielders of his time. Making his bones with the San Francisco Giants during the mid two thousands when they went to the World Series. Four-time Silver Slugger and MVP in two thousand. Great batting average hitter, a great hitter overall. Didn't too much. Didn't provide too much in the batting you know, front when it came to home runs, but just a terrific hitter, very, very reliable. So that will, that's my ballot at least. All right. So I'm not going to give too much of a description because we want to get you guys out of here. I think we've been here for almost an hour and Luca did a good job with the descriptions. So I'm going to go with my 10. I'm going to get them off right away. One player that I don't get why people are voting in for the Hall of Fame, and you could debate this guy, that guy, whatever, is Omar Vizquel. What's the obsession with him? I don't know, honestly. He doesn't seem to me as a great player. No. So Alex Rodriguez, Manny Ramirez, Todd Helton, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, that's five, Kurt Schilling, Gary Sheffield, Billy Wagner, Sammy Sosa. I don't know that I'm going to go with Kent here. I'm, I'm deciding between Jeff Kent and Andrew Jones because I think Andrew Jones does deserve to be on Yeah, All you, Fame. you've been in support of Andrew Jones. Yeah, and he does have a, a good number of accolades, and I think... That some Yankee fans, at least the new age Yankee fans, are not really a fan of him going to the Hall of Fame because they were seeing a washed Andrew Jones with the Yankees in his last few years. He was a designated hitter. He wasn't really an outfielder. Right. As in his heyday with the Braves. And then after that, he went to uh, Japan to play baseball. I think he was a teammate of Tanaka's, if I'm not mistaken. Really? For a year. Andrew Jones, I think, went to Japan in 2013, which was Tanaka's final year. Yeah. Uh, let's take a look. Before Andrew he Jones. went to the majors yeah. and then he eventually went back. Yeah. So they were teammates in 2013. So that's a fun fact for you. Um, let me look at. So he actually did win some accolades in Japan, which is also a very interesting thing. Good for him. I think I'm going to go with Andrew Jones here. Just slightly. Not saying that Jeff Kent doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, but I'm just. I think he has to... another year of eligibility or. Okay. Th- we years, could so. obviously. If you're saying that we could save it for next year, but there's a couple of guys on this list which I point out that really don't deserve to be in the hall of fame. Toy Hunter, good player. He a Mercury. good player, not a great player. Ryan Howard might deserve to be in the hall of fame. I think he's he was he was he was very good to almost great in his prime. So um Alex, this is off there's this is a little debate here that some people come up with. Do designated hitters like Edgar Martinez and David Ortiz deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Now, Ortiz was never always a designated hitter. He was an outfielder with the Twins and Mariners. So do you believe Ortiz, even though he might be hated pariah among the Yankee fans, do you honestly believe David Ortiz is a Hall of Famer in your eyes? I want to say yes, honestly. Listen, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, Edgar Martinez is in. Not saying was, he was a great hitter reason. in his prime with the Mariners, obviously. Yeah. You know, just because they were in a field, doesn't mean they can't go to the Hall of Fame. But anyway, I'll start from the top of the list. I know I'm going out of order, at least from what I'm looking at. Bobby Abreu, not a great hitter. Mark Burley, I've changed my sights on him because I originally thought that he was a Hall of Famer, but I looked at some stuff and I kind of walked it, it sounded back. sounded like an idiot when you said that Mark Burley's a Hall of Famer. Okay, okay. Keep keep trashing me even though I walked it back. Carl Crawford, he's not a Hall of Famer. Prince Fielder,
1: I think if he fame. had a
0: four, four more few more years on his prime, he definitely would have been a yeah, Hall of Famer. He just retired because of injuries, and he was with the Rangers at the last part of his career, which really didn't help his stock. Ryan Howard, I think he's eventually a Hall of Famer. I think he's got a few more years of eligibility, so that helps him. Tim Hudson, I don't think no. so. Jeff Kent, obviously mentioned him. Tim Lincecum, that's not a Hall of Famer. That's not. A no, hall of famer. he was only good in the postseason, as our one buddy says. He was only yeah. good in the postseason, and he was only really good in like 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012. He started to fall off, even though he threw what two no hitters. Right, and then I was he with the Giants for the 2014 chip. I don't think so. Let me do the research as you can yeah. continue with your. Joe now Nathan, it. I know no. he's on that all-time saves list. I'm going to take a look right now. Joe Nathan, let's take a look. Um, Cup was on that 2014 team. He might be a Hall of Famer. I'm just not feeling it this year for some reason. He was on the team or not on the team? Yes, he was. He was okay. a four-time All-Star, three-time World Series champion, two-time NL Young Award winner, and three-time NL Strikeout leader. Then you got this one. Jonathan Papelbon. <laughs> no. Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's should get in the Hall of Fame for fighting with Bryce Harper. Anyway, Jake Peavy. No. Nope. don't think he's a Hall of Famer. AJ Pruszynski. No. I don't think he's a I'm Hall of Famer. It. Let's see. Next, Scott Rowland. I think he's got enough accolades, in my opinion, to be a Hall of Famer. He's not eye-popping like a couple of the other guys, but... I'm going to go ahead and say maybe if it's his last year, sure. But I think he's got a few more years. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not on the train of Jimmy Rollins being a Hall of Famer. It doesn't make sense for Jimmy Rollins. He was good in his prime, but he wasn't like great or eye-popping. Mark Teixeira, he was my favorite player with the Yankees, even though he always got hurt, but he's not a Hall of Famer. If he did get in, I would be happy. But at the same time, being realistic, he is not a Hall of Famer. Omar Vizquel, I don't know what everybody's obsession with Omar Vizquel is. I don't think he was that great of a player. He has some accolades, three-time All-Star and 11-time Gold Glove winner. No. And then Billy Wagner, I already mentioned. So, Luca, final thoughts, and we'll begin to close it out here. Final thoughts. I hope we can uh, get some more interesting topics soon. I mean, we we try, here's the thing. We try to make this as fun as for you guys during this dark time in baseball. Obviously, we just discussed the recent uh, discussions between – MLBPA, MLB, with the whole lockout scenario. Um, we obviously made this fun with the Hall of Fame bow thing, but you know we're going to try to make this as fun for you guys in a dark time where there's zero content out there for MLB. There's no free agency right now, nothing going on in the trade market. Um, but yeah, another fun episode. Um, excited to do this again next week. Yeah, same here. Obviously, we keep it real with you guys 100%. Subscribe to the NYY News TV YouTube channel. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Big Blue in the Bronx. Obviously, there's lots of fun content over there. We do our own sports-related podcast every Tuesday at 8.10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We appreciate you guys. Thanks for being with us, and we will see you later. See ya.